0: Did you know that Netflix is a good example of supply chain visibility? Well, find out why in my latest episode that released last week. And that was with Jim Hayden, the CTO of Savvy Technology. Go and check out that episode. It's at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 47 and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy.
1: More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. BorderBuddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for ten percent off your first clearance at Borderbuddy.com forward slash Let's Talk Supply Chain.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. 2019 is in full swing, and this could be the year of the supply chain. With all the changes, new innovation, and the transformation that is happening, it's such an amazing time to be in this industry. February is going to be a crazy month for Let's Talk Supply Chain. On February 7th, I will be launching my Woman in Supply Chain blog series. So make sure to stay tuned and check that out once It is launched. Plus, I will be launching a video series. I have started a YouTube channel called The SC, and I will be featuring video series, a five-part video series, which are five minutes each, and they are going to be specific to one thing in supply chain with actionable takeaway items that you can use and implement that very day. So stay tuned because I will be releasing and launching that Sometime in February, most likely near the end of February. So before we get to our third guest of the year, let's get right into listeners' corner. So Gene Doe from Toronto, he said, how are you responding to the huge spikes in returns caused by by e-commerce. Stephen Rulland, he weighed in and said, some businesses include return labels with the shipment to make it a bit easier for the customer, but this may cause too many returns that don't meet the store's return policy. So perhaps having a quicker vetting process between customer service and the customer than an easy and efficient way to generate return labels. Maybe just a few clicks of a button and then a quick spot to enter the customer's email will help along with the instructions. How are you handling returns? I mean, there is a spike in returns with the emergence of e-commerce and something to consider and something to think about. Remember to join in on the conversation each Wednesday on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Plus I have all of the past questions and answers and that's on Listener's Corner at Let's Talk Plus send me all your supply chain questions so that we can start the conversations and really start learning from each other. So today Ryan Miller from Flash Global is here. If you haven't heard of them, they are changing the traditional concept of a 3PL on its head by being your global service supply chain partner. But what does that even mean? Well, Ryan is going to tell us all about what it means for you and your business, but first Let's find out a little bit more about Ryan. He thrives in dynamic work environments and excels at strategic decision making. He is entrusted to make every experience with brands he works with outstanding, and he does so by empowering incredible people. Throughout his 10 years of marketing and sales experience, he has worked in numerous disciplines, and verticals, giving him a wide range of experiences. As a part of the global leadership teams, he has had the opportunity to drive change throughout the organization that ultimately serves his employees and his customers. On a personal side, he has an incredible wife and two enthusiastic children. And as a family, they love to ski, camp, hike, and be complete goofballs. So welcome to the show, Ryan.
1: Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I'm glad to be here today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the show. I recently saw one of your latest corporate videos and I absolutely loved it. So let's get right into it. What the bleep is a global service supply chain partner?
1: You know, it's I'm glad you found it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I have to just say, if if any listeners out there go find it, you can find it easily because there's going to be a purple couch in the video. And the Purple Couch is very uh, symbolic to Flash for many ways, but we can get into that another day. So for us, what the bleep is a supply chain, service supply chain, rather. Uh, we have a very drawn out you know, definition, we believe is the official definition. Sarah, I'm not going to give you that today. What I'm going to say is the service supply chain is different from many other supply chains in that little word of service. It's what happens after the sale. So for any, you know, listeners going, okay, supply chain, got it. You have all your planning, you've got uh, warehouse distribution, inventory, all that many similarities to the service supply chain. But again, it's very specific to the operations that happen after the sale is made. That's the best way to make that differentiation.
0: Okay. So, but when the sale is made, from buyer to shipper? Is that what we're talking about?
1: Great question. So for us, now there's several companies that are in the same space as us, which again is service logistics or service supply chain. It's usually manufacturers who are selling to their customers. In many cases, those are enterprise customers who require uh, global service with very tight SLAs. And I'm talking two-hour, four-hour next business day, which typically is a significant challenge. So it's that relationship between the manufacturer and their customers. That's where we fit, right in the middle of there.
0: Perfect. And that was a really great way of explaining it and showing us the niche that you're in. So let's get into it a little bit further. Why don't you tell us about Flash Global Give us an idea about the brand, how you got started, and what what you do. I mean, you just explained service supply chain, um, but I think there's a little bit more to it than that.
1: There is. And so Flash Global has actually been around for a while. Uh, 1983 was its birth year, to be specific. So, you know, 35-plus years old, and just like any 35-year-old, uh, has gone through a lot of changes in their evolution and growth, Through their their business life, so it's a great story. I won't go into the whole thing, but it really started out as a very uh, niche courier uh, in the East Coast, Um, and then from there, you know, really the you know leadership throughout the years just saw very specific opportunities to continue to serve the market. And really, if you fast forward, you know, let's just say thirty years uh, to flash five years ago, it. Really took on the face that it has today, or I should say, started that trend. And that trend was to really take the courier model, bolt it up to the warehouse in you know storage and warehousing model, and then wrap all the things around it that an original equipment manufacturer might need, such as trade compliance, uh, in-screen technical, or excuse me, in-country uh, technical services like you know test and screen and repair and things like that basically being the sometimes i like to think of it as almost the the best friend to an OEM so that's sort of the the big picture of where we are and where we are today
0: awesome that was a great explanation thank you for that so you also talk about the end to end supply chain so not only are you guys you know the service supply chain partner, but you handle the end-to-end supply chain. And I think that means something different to different people. Yeah. Um, so why don't you explain to us a little bit more about why that's needed?
1: It, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And I the, the question's great, Sarah. So the, the best way to think about it, and I can walk you through a little bit of a journey, right? So let's just take the the what most people think of supply chain and logistics, and let's just call that, you know, part A. So part A, right, you have your resource planning, you've got production times, you've got uh, all the different planning that goes into making something, right? And then, of course, selling, distributing, fulfilling, all those things. Okay, so that's A. Then there's this B thing, which is this sort of, I'll call it, um, it's not as, it's not as, talked about, right? It's not as well known um, because it's not, I don't want to say it's not the sexy side of things because we think it's very sexy, of course, uh, but it's not as public facing, if you will. So the way it works for us is the end to end is again, when that sale is made. So let's just take an example of a network hardware manufacturer, right? There's just think of some of the big ones out there. Uh, they manufacture something they sell it to, let's just say, 100,000 customers all over the world. At that point, point, the, the one of the primary reasons they were able to sell that, and one of their primary promises is that that device, if it fails, that company who sold it, the OEM, will do everything that they can to get that part up and running, right? Of course, we're, we're talking about the term uptime, right? We want to maximize uptime. And that's what everything is about in our world is uptime. So in order to do that, they have options, right? They can keep everything in their warehouses under their control, under their, uh, really their P&L, if you will, or they can partner, outsource, hybrid, all that stuff. So for us, the end-to-end is right after that product is sold and a promise is made to the end customer. All the way through is the other end, which in many cases is actually the, the RMA or the return of defective goods back into a warehouse facility for further processing. In some cases, it's you know completely all the way to end of life, right? So you've got asset destruction, recycling, all those kinds of things, or it could just be put in back into good stock after it's had a repair. So when as soon as it's been sold all the way to a very you know uh, interesting 911 situation, right where you have a customer who's upset because that product went down, then you have the opportunity to make a customer very happy because you fulfilled that SLA and got uptime, you know, in in significantly less time than normal. So that's our end to end.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And so I want to ask you because you talk a lot about the OEM space. um, What other industries does this uh, pertain to, or would it do really well in? So really
1: the, where the differentiation between who really needs these services versus who really may not need them is it comes down to uh, importance, right? So importance and some people call it mission critical and things like that, but it's how important is it? How valuable is it that it's delivered that that product Uh, we'll call a spare part, right? Spare parts logistic. If that spare part is delivered in two days, maybe two days or more, If that's the case, our model may not be the best for you. And again, not just Flash Global, but any of our friends and allies within the industry. But if two hours and four hours and next business day around the world delivered simultaneously to, let's just say, 100 locations or or install bases, that's the biggest difference. So typically, um, verticals who benefit from this, like I mentioned, one, network hardware. You have network security, which is a booming uh, vertical, right? You have retail technology, which includes some interesting things that are popping up like cash automation, cash management. You got telecom, energy oil and gas. Um, you've got uh, data storage is a big one. Medical device manufacturers are now uh, looking to companies like Flash to continue to help uh, you know, increase their margins, decrease their cost of ownership and things like that. So that's an example of some of the verticals that really benefit from this nine one one type service.
0: Interesting. And so the other question I have, I mean, retail is obviously going in a few different directions, um, and one of them is, you know, the three D printing just in time type model um, that will also allow retailers to do customized uh, products. Uh, that a lot of customers are looking for right now. So do you think that that would also be a market for these kinds of services as well, considering that that's going to be a timing factor if you have to print the goods once it's been sold and uh, needs to be delivered to the customer?
1: Absolutely. You know, if there is a need and if that 3D printer being down is going to cost that company, you know, significant opportunity or missed opportunities, then that's definitely something, you know, we can step up and say, hey, you know, this is something we can help with. A great example of one that many may not think about is all the technology inside of airports, right? The security devices, the body scanners, the baggage scanners, everything in there. There's only a handful of manufacturers in there. But think about for a second, what would happen if one of those major body scanners are down or a luggage scanner was down, you'd have massive issues. So that's a great example. Most people may not think about that we and you know again in our competitors in our space serve extremely well, right? And some of those devices, as you can imagine, our spare parts are quite large. So being able to get into an airport, uh, deliver that part, and in some cases, Sarah, we even have the technicians that can go out and meet the company, the, the install base uh, personnel with the part to install it so it's like a triage to be able to get whatever it is that's broken back up and running and then get that part that defective part back home and that you know for any of our listeners who have you know returns challenges you know what i'm talking about
0: i like that medical metaphor and the example that you that you provided is great because i sometimes think you know supply chain or people people talk about supply chain being such a niche but at the end of the day everybody in supply chain knows that it touches everyday people's lives you know and um, it's just not talked about it's not just not thought about it's not you know you don't take a look at a product and say "Hmm, well I wonder where that came from and you know the journey that it took Um, but putting it into perspective as far as the airport and a body scanner being down I mean if you're you know, just showing up to the airport an hour, maybe half an hour before your flight and you can't get through, I mean, that's just going to be disastrous for everyday people. So I like that example. But I want to ask you, can you give us maybe another relatable example of how you have worked with one of your customers?
1: Sure. I mean, what's kind of interesting, Sarah, too, is a lot of these stories, you can kind of Pull out the vertical and pull out, you know, some of the details, and it's all it's all going to kind of have the same storyline, right? But one of them that's a little bit a little bit different as far as um, services that we're able to provide is actually like a product refresh, right? Or or being able to put on different software or different versions of software in the field that may help a company in the event that they had a mistake, go out in some of their coding. Or maybe there was a critical virus or something that was getting through that, you know, they didn't anticipate. So we actually, in some cases, have had boots on the ground to thousands of locations to actually go physically install or support the installation of corrective measures. And that's done through our field services operations again to be able to deploy to be in the field, okay, instead of taking the part, bringing it all the way back home, loading the software, then shipping it back out, we're just able to go out there. So of course that cuts down on significant cost of of, you know, obviously money, but then time of all the devices coming back and forth. So that's another evolution, I'll call it, in the service supply chain, and again that word service is the most critical part of this. So it's a service that that particular company, and even though they were very large, there's no way they could have scaled that thing. So being able to help was really valuable there. Now, just to put it into perspective, we have, you know, let's just say roughly five or 600 active locations and another 250 or so that are ready to go around the world, meaning they can take parts and be service ready at a moment's notice. So imagine all these warehouses around the world, tens of thousands of parts, uh, our team's very busy 24-7 around the world shipping good parts to end customers that have defective parts or problems. So just, just think if one manufacturer, again, let's just go back to network hardware, had maybe a, a, a problem in several of their, or excuse me, it's a problem that affected, let's just say 100 devices. They all have two-hour SLAs. That's, again, kind of where Flash comes in and says, OK, no problem. We're ready to go.
0: Get the job done. OK, but explain to me how you do that um, from staffing issues to even, pardon the pun, logistical issues. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you guys actually make the magic happen?
1: Sure. And it is not easy. I'll tell you that right now. Um <laughs> So first and foremost, we have a partnership-based model, right? And that's a a lot of our um, industry is built around that, where we rely on people who specialize in various areas. Let's just say regions, right? The big guys, right? you got EMEA, uh, you've got APAC, you've got, you know, obviously US and Canada, Latin America, all those things, who specialize in the region, who know the areas, and also have the local expertise with their, their employees, their facilities, right? So we partner with them in some cases. In other cases, we own the facilities as well as all the employees. But one of the most important things there is we have employees in every single region that we have major operations in. So that's about six theaters around the world, right? Making sure we have full-time employees who have our DNA, but also have the local expertise. And that, and you know, is a huge differentiator and an advantage for us that alleviates a lot of stress that many of our other competitors deal with. And frankly, companies trying to edge their way into this industry. So that's sort of the first thing. And then, of course, having the facilities, having, you know, the right amount of staff, having the right technology to be able to do this. Now, the technology is really what differentiates you know, service supply chain from many others. So for us, we use FlashTrack. You know, if you guess by the name, yes, it's ours. Uh, it's been built up over the past, really, 10, 12 years. And in the last few years, has really accelerated to meet the expectations of our customers and those real-time visibility needs. When all that's put together, that's really when you start to see the formation of this. And of course, you've got, you know, your normal, uh, as expected, Uh, leadership, infrastructure, capabilities, and again, partnering with lots of different types of couriers to be able to get it done. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but that's just the tip of the iceberg on how the thing works.
0: No, I think that that is great. And I think it's a really, really great start. And um From what you said, it sounds like it's really about managing those relationships as well. That's got to be a huge part of being successful in this type of environment.
1: So we have dedicated teams that do nothing but that. And it is a full-time job for everybody on that team and partner management. And yeah, Sarah, you're dead on. It's a massive job. And a lot of it is just one on one, right? It's people doing business with people. So our relationships matter. A lot of the people we work with, um, you know, we would consider, of course, dear friends. And in many instances, they're beyond friends, they're just family. It's what it is. That's how this whole thing works because it is so big. And again, to be able to pass on the kind of, um, I don't want to call it savings or discounts to customers because that's not what we're about. But to be able to make it affordable for them and make it make uh, you know cost sense, we can't have ten thousand employees, but we have about that many partners.
0: Interesting. Well, kudos to you because you know with that many partners, that many moving parts. Pardon the pun again. I don't. I don't know why I'm coming up with these things today. But um, you know, kudos to you because that that takes a lot of work, and I like the fact that you are honing in on the relationship aspect. And I find that in supply chain, sometimes, you know, it is all about relationships. And sometimes that just gets put to the wayside um, from a service perspective. Um, And I think that you guys are doing that right. So, you know, going back to some of your examples, you must have some crazy stories. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you have one, Top of mind. Um, Can you share it with us?
1: Let me think. And you you are hitting below the belt, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll figure it out. So I'm trying to think crazy stories. I know of one within the industry that wasn't us that I could share. And I want to actually share this one because it is symbolic of this industry right and in the story is this the horrible tragic time of, of 9/11 happens and of course if you can imagine take take all the horrible you know feelings and everything out of it and just look at the infrastructure right not not just the roads and all of the kind of municipal infrastructure but look at the technology infrastructure so if you take that and then overlay the you know, the horrible things that happened. now you have nothing. You have no communication. You've got no data storage. You've got no uh, way really for people to communicate or really do anything. And of course, in a time of crisis, you have to have that stuff. So in this particular instance, the uh, service supply chain company that was involved happened to be really near the epicenter. Right now, a lot of us have facilities and operations over there, uh, but this particular group was able to actually help when nobody else could even get into uh, Ground Zero. Right. So they were able to provide technical support. The parts were already there. So in many cases, the parts were able to be. You know, hot swapped out, replaced technicians, people jumped in to start rebuilding some of the, te- you know, the IT infrastructure so that communications could start happening. So that's like, to me, and I still get goosebumps to this day when I tell that story, is the coup de grace of what this industry is all about.
0: Wow. That's a great story. And thank you so much for sharing that. So you, you did speak a little bit about the 9 11 environment. But can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Explain to us, you know, maybe give us some sort of visual to really understand and get a grip to what that means.
1: So for us, when we say, uh, and if you guys get a chance to watch our "What the Bleep" is a service supply chain video, I'm actually uh, quoting John Miller, who's our chief sales officer, and he, you know, refers to it as a nine-one-one environment, and it's so true. Anything that we do. Any request that we get is an emergency, right? It's hot. Uh, there is no like, oh, yeah, yep. Yeah, so-and-so needs a part. Yep, yeah, we got it on the next shipment. Everything's going to be fine. No, people run, right? People we've got, um, you know, to make sure that they're picking the parts. People are moving quickly. When an order comes to our systems around the world, doesn't matter where it goes. And again, the same sort of request can hit multiple of our locations around the world for the same customer. We move. It's fast. There is no well, yep, like I said, we'll get it out on the next shipment. It's no. The you know, the UPS FedEx or whoever we're shipping with, that truck's coming in fifteen minutes, that part better be on that thing. And of course, if you need an NFO, right, which stands for next flight out, if we have to, we will do what it takes to get there. We will drive that part to the airplane, put it into the seat next to the technician, get on the plane and go. So for us, everything is it is I'm putting air quotes here, but this is not a drill, right? So it's always moving, always hustling. Uh, There should always be a little bead of sweat coming down, you know, our foreheads on behalf of our customers and their customers.
0: Okay. So then walk me through how you sell it to new employees.
1: Well, that's a good one. (laughs) So (laughs) for us, right. So new employee, you know, orientation and things like that, obviously depends on the role that they're coming into. Uh, but for us, and, and how I always put it, is we're helping our customers fulfill the promises that they made to their customers. So sometimes it's a little hard to follow, but we're essentially that insurance policy to make sure that the, the you know, most cases we have, you know, it's an OEM, right? There are derivations of that, but we have an OEM making a promise to their customers. We're that insurance policy in the middle to make sure that it's delivered upon. So to me, that is that is the most simple way to put it to anybody coming into our organization.
0: Okay. But then, okay, you might not like, like me for asking this question, but what happens if you don't?
1: That is a good question. And actually, that is something that we're proud to talk about because, you know, there's that old expression that, um, you know, as happens it does and it happens every day there are some things in our control and there's some things out of our control so just think about the world for a second think about all the things that might possibly happen in any given second right you have everything from traffic jams to natural disasters you've got uh, i mean who knows what could physically actually stop traffic and that's our number one problem is when our drivers can't get to the customer. And in many cases, they're in major metropolitan areas around the world. So take a look at um, Japan, for example. Japan's a relatively small island with a relatively significant number of people per capita. Think about trying to get a part through various parts of Japan. Right now, you have traffic, you've got um, a, a variety of, of issues that may cause a delay. Now, to overcome that issue, though, we have about 150 locations in Japan alone, right? So that, that is sort of how we would solve that problem. But let's just take, for example, a natural disaster. It shuts down major road systems. I don't know if you remember, Sarah, I think it was last year there was a major bridge. I think it was Atlanta. Uh, I, I'm sorry, listeners, I don't remember exactly where it was, but a major bridge went down. There's no way in and no way out. Well, that affected us and that affected customers on the other side of the bridge. So for us, in some cases, there isn't anything we can do. (laughs) We don't have helicopters, right? We can't throw it up and put it on an airplane. So there's nothing we can do except for, of course, continue to figure out alternate routes. But the most important things there is communicate with our customers. Very rarely do we have direct contact with the end customer, right? Because that's... Ultimately, that other kind of, you know, I'll call it um, protection and service we provide to our customers is we're not always known to the end customer. But that's one instance. Another sh- instance, if it's us, if it's our problem and we miss, it's communicate, communicate, and communicate to make sure that everybody knows what's going on, what happened, and then, of course, most importantly, what are we going to do to fix it? So, one of the things we do measure on a daily basis is all of our primary key performance indicators. And that's, you know, uh, for things like technical services, that's your turnaround times. You got dock to stock. You got, you know, did it hit SLAs across the board for our customers and about, you know, 10 other primary KPIs. We have an entire quality control team that measures that stuff. And I'm definitely proud to say on behalf of Flash, we're in the high 90 percentiles, you know, 95 to 99 percentile of meeting all of those expectations. but you know what really is a hard thing, Sarah, to chew on. You can make 99 deliveries perfectly. It's the one you don't make that causes the problem and that's the one that we own. So we do every single thing we can to communicate around the one we missed if there's a
0: miss. Isn't that so true for the whole industry? Um, but I want to say that I think that I see a helicopter in Flash's future. I, I, for some reason, when you said helicopters, I, I picture people, the C-suite at Flash Global listening to this and then thinking, oh yeah, you know what? Maybe we do need a helicopter to really take it that one step further.
1: And you know what? On that same note, then I will go get my helicopter pilot's license.
0: Yes, you do that. And then you can fly the helicopter. You might have to get a few, right, around the world. You might have to teach a few of your your employees. But you could definitely make that happen. So and that that sort of brings me to my last point and sort of to talk about the future of Flash Global. Um, You know, what does that look like? What's next for Flash Global? And if you want to talk a little bit about how you guys see the future of supply chain as well. I mean, um, just, you know, talk about the future.
1: So the future for us actually looks pretty good. And, you know, right now, Sarah, if you're watching any of the, you know, U.S. economy and and various global, you know, economies, we're heading into a little bit of a, a downturn, right? We've got some market corrections on the horizon and we've got some sectors, especially in the tech, starting to slow down. You know, interest rates are shifting, not always in our favor and things like that. And that's actually really good news for us our customers, when they're faced with those challenges, tend to rely on services that companies like Flash provide because they don't have to ship out new parts, right? They don't have to bring uh, defective parts all the way back from some other country to where they were manufactured, which in a lot of cases, the United States, because we have the infrastructure to be able to keep defective products in a region to potentially screen and test them, right, for no trouble found or things like that. In some cases, we can even repair those defective products and put them right back into good stock or ship them right back out to the customer. That saves our customers tons and tons of money, time, frustration, and of course, you know, puts their their brand a few points higher with their customers. So for us, you know, that's just sort of one sector, uh, sort of a, I'll call it immediate future, uh, things that we get excited about because our customers really benefit from our services during these tougher times. The other thing for us is just to continue to um, work closely with all of our industries to understand their specific needs. As we all know, you know, technology continues to get better, smaller. There's a lot of redundancies that are built into systems, so you don't always have to have a two-hour delivery window because you've got backup systems to to correct it. We are seeing a little bit of shift into the next business day um, SLAs because of those redundancies. There's also phone home systems, right, where the the piece of technology can actually send a signal back home, right, which would be to the to the our customer, the manufacturer to say that that system's about to fail, right? So preventative maintenance, um, taking away some of that urgency of the two and four hours, right? Because that, that's just insane. Two and four hour delivery is just incredible. The next business day is starting to become more popular. And then the other thing that we're really seeing is shifts in the types of industries that are exploring their options for companies like us. And a couple that I mentioned, you know, one is medical device. So Sarah, I've had the sort of the opportunity to really dive into the medical device space, and it's really fascinating, right? I don't come from that space, but mm-hmm. wanted to get more intelligent about it. That they're under constant scrutiny to, uh, you know, continue to hang on to what margins left, right? Depending on the type of administration that's put in place, the type of regulations that are put in place, um, those things eat away at medical device margins like crazy. So they're starting to look at companies like us to help gain some of that margin back. And then, of course, another one I mentioned is, you know, cash automation uh, and then, you know, cash uh, management. These are actual physical box systems that actually manage cash. Believe it or not, you know, cash is still king, right? Where the plastics and the debits and the credit cards are there, but cash is still driving a significant area of business. So for us, We're just excited about who else might be coming through. Oh, another one too is solar. Solar has obviously exploded. And uh, again, we found a very interesting niche with the solar industry because of the requirements and the needs that they have to serve their large enterprise customers and even some of the residential ones. So it's just continuing to see the shifts, where things are going, the types of industries that are going to be looking for services. And of course, the number one thing for us there is just continuing to streamline our operations, continue to evolve our technology so we can provide, you know, if there is such a thing as faster real time, right, just better visibility, better consistency, better predictability, all those things are going to continue to be important.
0: Awesome. And yeah, solar panels are huge. And they're, they're definitely also in Africa. So going global, and uh, something that uh, you guys should keep your eye on. So anyways, we found out a little bit about well, actually, maybe a lot about service supply chain today. And I think it's safe to say, that they manage some of the most complex parts of a supply chain. I will have a video on the episode page, the one that we spoke about, the corporate video, and that explains more of what they do. And that's going to be at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two episode 47. Plus, make sure you go to their website, flashglobal.com to connect. Thank you so much to the team at Flash, and thank you, Ryan, for coming on the show today.
1: You're welcome, Sarah, and thank you. I enjoyed it.
0: If you liked this episode, be sure to check out the podcast page at letstalksupplychain.com to discover past episodes on various different topics. Next week's Women in Supply Chain series is back and it's a big one. I've got Priyanka here and she is the host of Supply Chain Scoop. She talks about her passion in supply chain, what she's doing now, what risks she took in her journey, some advice and who inspired her in supply chain. So make sure to stay tuned and check out that episode when it comes out next week. If you would like to support the show, here are a few ways to show us some love. First, rate and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher. That way, other people can find us and they can participate in the community and what we have going on here at Let's Talk Supply Chain. Secondly, I have a supply chain dictionary. And you can find that 107-page book full of acronyms and definitions, perfect for Anybody, either in the industry, learning about the industry, coming into the industry, and that's at shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Remember, every single Wednesday, I post a listener's corner question about supply chain, and we start some amazing conversations with some of the leadership and some of the people just in the supply chain professionals in this industry so we can all learn from each other. And lastly, Ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com. Go and check it out, fill in your information, and you will be one of the first to know about the online platform that I am working on that's going to revolutionize shipping. So remember to send me your supply chain questions and that's at listener at letstalksupplychain.com. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I hope you have an amazing day and remember everybody, ship happens.